Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, it's a certified bee corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet you can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified bee corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms. Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the Dave Chang Show and you can find Recipe Club. That's right. It's Dave Chang's first appearance on Rewatchables. <laughs> Look at you're so giddy. You're like, as giddy as a schoolgirl. We're going to talk about a movie called Chef. It turns out, Dave Chang, you're a chef. I had no idea. This is true. Uh, chef is coming up next. There are chefs that cook food that they believe in. Be an artist on your own time. It's my restaurant. So you're threatening to fire me now? It's what I'm prepared to do if you don't cook my menu. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm lost. You're never going to be happy cooking for someone else. So what are you going to do? You're going to laugh. Tony, Carl's got a taco truck. For real? Guys are having so much fun. Dad got me a knife. What? He says I love you. Chef. Rated R. In Select Theaters Friday. All right. My longtime friend David Chang is here. Um, we talk about food movies all the time. You've talked about them on your podcast. This movie, Chef, which came out in 2014, directed by John Favreau, starring John Favreau. There's lots of awkward connections for you. Like, you know some of the people in this. Um, you're claiming you have to be careful. I know, I know you, you're not going to be careful, <laughs> but one of the reasons that this, to, this to me defines a rewatchable movie because over the last nine years it's been on and I keep getting sucked in as soon as they're in the food truck, I'm ready to go. I love Leguizamo in this movie. I think this is the most I've ever liked Leguizamo in anything. And just in general, I like the hang and I like seeing the food. And I think this might be my favorite food movie, Chang. If I had to guess which food movie would be your favorite food movie, it would be this movie. <laughs> is, that, is that a backhanded compliment? <laughs> <laughs> no, because number one, it's on all the time, right? Um, and I think a lot of that is because Netflix uh, has the Chef Show, which is like a spinoff 
of this show. Yeah. I mean, uh, the po- uh, the movie. And all the, all the sort of themes in it are relatable. And the food is approachable. It's not about three mission star dining, none of that stuff. So it's all very, very much populist and approachable, but also done well. Right now it's on HBO Max, which is where I saw it on one of the HBO channels. And I don't think my wife had ever seen it and we were watching it and the little kid's really good in it. And she just, I could feel her getting sucked in. Um, this catches food at probably the most interesting year you ever could have made this movie, right? 2014. We're still in the first part of the 2010s. The food critic is still incredibly important, right? You're, are you doing Lucky Peach at this time? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's on his desk a couple times and I forgot right. about that. Um, this is peak food moment in American history, like right in 2013, 2014, because, you know, you're, you're, you're out of the, like the early aughts and now you're in the teens and social media now is just everyone knows about it. Before, no one knew anything about it, as at least in the culinary community. So now you have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pushing people toward restaurants and chefs. People are following Eater. They're following Food News. They're following chefs. So this was all new. This was all on the ascendancy of, of like, it's never going to be higher than it was back then. And we have shows like Top Chef, things like yeah. that. You have Hell's Kitchen. Um, the concept of a celebrity chef, when does that start? When did you become a celebrity chef? <laughs> late worst, 2000s? We're, um, I, I guess I started to become well-known like 2005, 2006. In Washington, in Washington, in New York. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there'd always been celebrity chefs. Right. Uh, but they were mostly known as like TV chefs, right? But the distinction between being famous for cooking and being famous for TV had never really been, you know, talked about. So that's why a lot of chef chefs that don't want to be known as just like a fake celebrity chef hate the term celebrity chef. It's not a, like a, a compliment at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you sound like a hack almost. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember in 2014, we were in the finals. It was San Antonio, Miami. I was, I was on Countdown and we did a whole Grantland shoot of Franco Barbecue. And we went, it was like house seats four, house seats five, one of those. And we brought Jalen and we had Rembert and me and Jacoby and a whole bunch of people. And one of the reasons we went there was because we knew what Franco barbecue was. We had heard about the legend at that point. I would have had no idea in 2005 of any of that stuff, right? And he's in this movie. That's one of the best parts of the whole movie, too. For me, it's it captures, like, not peak Franklin barbecue, but, again, this moment in time that I lived through that I'm not saying food is, like, not as popular as it was, but it's not as novel. It's not as new, right? Like, you knew about this place in Austin, Texas. How I many knew restaurants? about your place. Exactly. I knew about Momofuku and all that stuff. It was and part of the zeitgeist. Like, yeah. when, when did you open the di- the... Oh, with man. the second DC restaurant. Like around that same time. Yeah, yeah. And the house is like, you gotta come back. We gotta go to this fucking restaurant. You gotta ask Chen, ask Chang. And it just felt like everything was taken off. I do think Eater was a big part of this too. Cause there was like, and Lucky Peach was a big part of it. There's still food critics. Like Jonathan Gold is still crushing it at this point. There was still a dialogue about food. There was real criticism. That's why the critic guy is so interesting in this movie. He's obviously modeled after Jonathan Gold. We're gonna talk about some of your issues and ups and downs with critics over the years, but all of it feels like something. And now I don't really know where we are because TikTok comes in. Um, we've had a lot of celebrity chefs like that have come and gone and, you know, been 
There's been some cancellations. There's been all kinds of things. There's been restaurants. Vegas kind of took over. Um, and it just became an industry. And the word celebrity chef is now fitting. It was just too far ahead. Now celebrities <laughs> are chefs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They you had chefs. Selena Gomez. Becoming content yeah. people. Oh, yeah. And then we have that, too. And Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> yes. And whoever you want to name. Um, but the, the concept of a food critic mattering this much to me, made way more sense in 2014 than it does in 2023, which is one of the fun things about this movie. It still matters, but not as much. Not as much. Not nearly as much. But it was that was like the most power they, they wielded was in that period too, for sure. In like internet first four or five years of 2010s, pre-Twitter, pre-I don't care about somebody's feelings. Yes. Right. Was, the transition hadn't been like quite complete. People were still looking at the three, four newspapers, magazines as the gatekeepers about where is delicious. And, you know, food literacy wasn't as high as it is today, it's just 10 years later. So uh, you still needed to go ask the experts what good was. Yeah. And now in 2023, you don't need that. You can go on TikTok. You're going to know yourself. Your kid probably will know better than anyone else, too. So, it's a very different landscape. I think that's been the same for movies and TV too, to some degree. I think that dialogue has drifted toward podcasts. And where in the old days, you'd think like the, in the old, old days, like movie critics like Paul and Kayla or Roger Ebert, who we always mentioned, they had real sway and power. Now I don't feel like critics, they can add to the dialogue, but they don't set the conversation. Like in this movie, the, the guy, Ramsey, I think his name was Ramsey name? Michelle. Yeah. He, Literally destroys this guy's career with a review and the, and it trends on Twitter and there's no going back and Favreau's character snaps. That was a realistic 2014 scenario. I don't know if it's realistic in 2023. I mean, it would still happen, but it wouldn't like capture the attention, right? And I've been on the, the receiving end of that kind of review. In fact, I got a bad review from Oliver Platt, who plays uh, Ramsey Michelle's brother, is actually was the food critic for New York Magazine, Adam Platt. And, uh, yeah, like I, I bumped into him the day he gave me a bad review and I let him have it. Unfortunately, there were no other, <laughs> there, I wasn't being was recorded. Okay, right? Yeah. Well, the most interesting thing that happened to you is the Jonathan Gold piece, which, you know, the, the guy in this movie, Jonathan Gold is basically the real life version of that guy. Right. Russ, I, I think carried more weight. He won more awards. He was considered the greatest food critic ever. And it's based in LA. The based Sally in LA. Food critic, yeah. So you opened Momofuku, which we talked about. Uh, on your podcast and he wrote a, a kind of pissy review about it, which was not, was not super negative, but it also wasn't complimentary. It was very carefully crafted and you guys had had a lot of history at that point. Yeah, it was personal and it, it wasn't a review that any other normal food critic would do because he says it outright. I'm mad at this guy because we had closed Lucky Peach down. Right. And he, and was, he was still pissed. furious about the Lucky Peach. So, it also tells you just how different the criticism is. It's become way more subjective, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, people love the negative reviews. All critics are remembered for their takedowns, never yeah. for their positive write-ups. So, you know, I don't think that was necessarily a takedown. I think when people read that, they were like, whoa, what's going on with these two? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like there was... And we couldn't really talk about it. That it... was made it, made it really, like... I, I couldn't, like make a reply in the editorial section of the LA Times. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, well, because we're alike, because I'm half Italian and you're <laughs> Korean, and our instinct is to just I know and something then, like that. We could push our buttons. Unfortunately, he passed, so I never got the chance to like. Right. You know. So when you see the Favreau character in this in this movie, what what resonates? We we can do the opposite of this question, but what resonates with you the most? Because to me, one of the things this movie just nails, and I think they really cared about, and then in some of the research, he had he leaned on Roy Choi. Mm-hmm. For both, a lot of both close friends of mine, Roy, super close. Well, he's so he leans on him about the chef thing, and Roy's basically like, "If you're gonna do this, I have to put you through this crash course." The chef thing is about precision. It's about repetition. It's about being just over and over again doing the same thing and really caring about burying yourself in the little details, which is something you've always told me too. Yes. And Favreau, like in the first scene, he's making stuff and you can see it. Like he's doing all this stuff. There's no stunt work. Um, but what else resonated with you? Well, I want people to know Favreau really learned how to cook. Yeah. And uh, just as a quick side note, I did a dinner at um, Wolfgang Puck's restaurant in Bel Air. And it was like one of those cel- like celebrity dinner things. And Roy Choi was also cooking the dinner. So it was like th- the three of us. You know who was like the Comey, like the apprentice? Was John. Yeah. And Favreau was like really cooking and getting totally shit on. Wolfgang Puck was just merciless on him. Like, what is that? What are you doing? What are you that? And now Favreau's a really good cook. So he learned, he really wanted to learn. So the food is not just believable in the movie. It's just like his... That's what Roy was doing. And before Roy did food trucks, he was like working in real restaurants. So the food truck scene. Oh, wait, the resonating thing. What else resonated with the character? I didn't understand when I watched it in 2014, a father-son relationship. And I think this movie can be interpreted a lot of different ways. It's like Favreau's sort of relationship as a director in Hollywood. I think it's an allegory for a lot of that. And also like him being a dad in a lot of ways. And I never, when I first watched that, I was like, I have no idea. This is like ridiculous. I don't care about any of that stuff. But now I you have two sons. Now I have two sons. I was like, oh yeah, anything that's father related. I'm like, oh yeah, that resonates a lot more. But uh, because it was culinary focused and all these things, it resonates. Yeah. The food truck piece of it. So the food trucks are really, this is like a wave. Of, this is peak this is food thing. truck. Peak food truck. Um, food truck's still a thing, but not... They're, now it's like easier to discover them. There's maps for them. There's apps for them. People know where they are. They're usually a gateway to getting your own restaurant or something like that. Like what's changed in the last nine years? Well, a lot of the story in, in Chef takes from Roy Choi's story, right? Um, he merges Korean food with Mexican food and puts it on a food truck because he was sort of disillusioned himself and he does it. And like, he uses Twitter for the first time. No one had used Twitter to like advertise. It was yeah. like so far ahead of its time. And like it taps into the like young zeitgeist. And that's how like everyone's talking about it. Even in New York, people are like, have you heard about this, this, this taco truck? Everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Taco truck. So that's like, that storyline was real. And do you remember hearing about the taco oh, truck? I mean, like, I got to check this 1, out. One thousand percent, because he won Bon Appetit. Roy won Bon Appetit Chef of the Year the year after I won it. Yeah, and I just remember being like, "What the hell is happening?" It was so important as to what was happening food wise because people didn't know. They only talked about stuff that happened at fancy French restaurants at the time. Yeah, 
now we're talking about a food truck? So it was just a complete 180 in terms of how people would think about food, write about food, eat food. And um, the fact that that happened, and in 2013, 14, right around that time, it was peak food truck because of the success of Roy. Everyone wanted a food truck. And because of that, it's not as special. So I don't think you're going to see it like that again, in my opinion. I remember in L.A., it was an amazing time because all of a sudden there were these little pockets that would pop up. Like Wilshire would have one, like kind of past Fairfax going toward um, La Cienega, but there was like this whole stretch of food trucks in this one area. And they were like really, really high end. So I was like, what's this? Is this like what, where things are going now? It's, it feels a little more planned out. Um, and also like people are way better at making food now. I think there's probably more good people cooking than we've probably ever had because this whole generation yeah. influenced this whole next generation, right? And a lot of the people that have food trucks wound up in a restaurant. You know, yeah. that's sort of like the goal. Uh, I mean, Roy still has his Kogi fleet, but I mean, a lot of my friends that started food trucks, their goal was this is their lowest cost way for them to get an audience and then open up like an actual brick and mortar restaurant. There's also a Bourdain piece that we have to mention too. If you're talking about like how this is kind of peak food conversation, a moment, you know, he's, we have him too. I know you were close to him, but. Yeah. And I remember Favreau, that was something that he really sort of dove into too, is like getting the Bourdain element right. Because he was like, you know, the, the narrator of an entire culinary generation. Because there's a couple moments in this movie that feel a little Bourdain-y, right? When they're going from location to location. And it becomes a completely different movie where we go to Miami and New Orleans and Austin. It's one of the reasons I love this movie because all of a sudden it's basically a reality show and we're just kind of hanging out with these three characters that I've grown to like and I'm going to different cities and seeing food and seeing things cooked. It's like three different movies yeah. in one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the traveling bit is definitely a, an ode to Bourdain, I think, right? Getting... Bourdain always wanted to use food as a way to absorb culture, right? That was the vehicle. So, like, the Austin scene, for example, is a good example where, you know, like, you have Gary Clark Jr. And it's not even just about the food. It's about the music. That and it's amazing. the entry point yeah. to everything, yeah. Um, we have a category in the rewatchables that I'm just going to do now that is called sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast or untouchable. I just think this is, if they made this movie now, it's not a movie. It's an eight-episode series. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. And I actually like that it's a movie. I think this is a good example of why not everything needs to be an eight or 10 episode series. They could easily, like, episode six could have been Miami. Episode seven could have been driving to New Orleans and they run out of gas and they have to stay at a crappy hotel and they all have to share a bed. And then episode eight, now they're in, you know, New Austin. But I like that it's contained under two hours. If anything, this movie probably feels like five minutes too long. It's a good two-hour film, and it's something where you like, you're like, you're always glad that you sort of watched a little bit of it because yeah. you know exactly what's happening. So, you know, it's interesting. I never thought of it as a as a series. I've always, because it's a movie, I, I think it's like, you know, what would a prequel look like? You know, yeah, yeah. a young Favreau, skinny. That's right. like, I want to know. As a chef in me wants to know what the fuck happened in Miami, right? The origin of Carl Casper, the character. What what did he do to capture a national attention, right? Because Miami is now like a super hot spot, right? Yeah. But to be noticed in Miami on a national level. In the early 2000s. Yeah, you got to do something like. And to land Sofia Vergara. 
That's like a whole other conversation. Be, you have to be like an absolutely elite chef yes. in the Miami scene. Yes. Well, because the Miami restaurants, what was it? It was the you have Michelle Bernstein. You have um, yeah Joe's Crack. Joe's, Joe's Joe's is like an institution. And but, then Prime, whatever. Prime. But now you have the Carbone guys are taking all over, are taking it over. But back then, uh, nobody. You had people of note on a national level. Probably Michelle Bernstein was the most famous. But to be a young up and coming chef, where people around the country would eat at. And talk about, that's where I'm going to, I will talk about later. There's that's a bit of a discrepancy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he wrote the script after directing several big budget films, including one that we just did last week on the Rewatchables, Iron Man, which he did in 2008. And he wanted to do a thing about cooking. He wanted to be small scale independent. He cited movies like Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, and Big Night as inspirations, make it food centric, semi-autographical, as you mentioned. Um, being a father and being busy, coming from a broken home. Um, and also, like, there's a little bit of the parallels that you mentioned with his life. Yeah. See, I think he did, what, Cowboys and Aliens in 2011, and, and it probably I, made its money back, but it didn't do that great. Um, I don't mind that movie too much. It's not yeah. terrible. But he took he took some shit for that, and then it's like, oh, my God, I've become big-budget guy. How did this happen? I started out as the swingers guy. And then Iron Man, and then Iron Man 2, he didn't direct, and he didn't direct Iron Man 3, but he was a producer. And I think, again, I never asked John, but, you know, I think, what was that, um, who was the, co oh, it was Parcells that said, like, I want to shop for my groceries too? Like, right. it's a very similar mentality, I think, for uh, a director that would want some control over the production of the film, and the same thing as, like, a... You know, and again, like I think that's one of the reasons that translates to the movie where I understand. When I first watched it, I thought, maybe I don't quite understand why a chef like that doesn't own the restaurant. But I think John was trying to tell a narrative that, you know, fit right. his narrative. You know, he's officially become underrated, I think. I love him. Because, All this stuff is great. And I'm not just saying that because you're friends with him. But, you know, for a lot of us, especially people in our generation, he was the swingers guy. Right, he made Swingers a huge success. It was a really influential guys movie. We've done on the rewatchables. It really mattered to a certain generation. And then watching him kind of evolve from that, and it, it was like, oh, this guy's having a career. That's cool. But then Elf happens, and he becomes a real director. It's that, like the best Christmas, Christmas yeah, movie of all time. Still like, and that that's grown in stature. Then he gets Iron Man, and that basically you know creates the Marvel universe. And he's the one who wanted to cast Downey. And then he has this, and then he has Mandalorian. That's a pretty nice every decade having something that kind of mattered. And uh, Chef probably doesn't matter culturally like the other things, but it's still a cool movie that they don't really make movies like that anymore. I don't think, I don't know anybody who's like, I fucking hate Chef, that movie sucks. He took shit in 2014 for it, I think, a little bit because... It deviated from what he had been normally doing, too. Yeah, and also, like, why are you the one doing a Chef movie? Who are you? But again, like, we do need more movies like that, but it wouldn't have been made if it wasn't John doing it, yeah. right? I remember asking him, you know, this is sort of paraphrased over the years, but, like, how did he do it? From being in Rudy, right? All the way to where it is You're today. You're the man, no! <laughs> You know, and I was, he was, like, on the set of Rudy, he was asking every question, like, he was just a nuisance on set because he was trying to absorb, and everything he's ever done sort of rolled into the next thing. And Swingers, same way with Doug Lyman, where they they were like soaking in all because they made that movie for like five bucks. And I saw it with my own eyes at how he wanted to absorb the culinary world, and and like 
you know, it's a real thing. So I think his success is really tied to just how curious he is and wanting to learn all the time. So Yeah. Well, he shattered Roy Choi. He worked in his kitchen crew. Roy oversaw the uh, menus and created the Cuban sandwiches, which we're definitely going to talk about. Um, <laughs> taught him to hone his knife skills. Taught him to just be authentic with every piece of it, even folding towels, all the repetitive tasks. And that was that. This movie had an $11 million budget. $46 million it made. Plus, it feels like it's been on for the last seven years. On so it's probably channel. made the same amount of money. That yeah, sense, right? it's, pro it's probably done pretty well. Uh, our guy Roger Ebert did not review it because I think he uh, he wasn't around anymore at that point. Do they still do thumbs up on Roger Ebert? I I think Roger Ebert would have, this would have been three and a half stars for Raj. <laughs> it had story, it had heart. I think he would have uh, enjoyed that. We'll take a break and we'll do the categories. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, Super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So here's how I know we're doing a good rewatchable. I probably have too many rewatchable scenes, so we can rip through them. I like the opening credits we mentioned where he's just doing the prep work and he goes to the farmer's market just because it's like, we're, we're in it. All right, this guy's a real chef, I believe it. The Dustin Hoffman versus Favreau. You want to give a, you want to cook him a yeah, good- I want to cook him some good food. Yeah, yeah, well then- And our place is in a fucking creative rut. In a rut. In a creative rut. You, you do know that we're doing better than any place in the neighborhood. I'm not talking about how much money we're making. I'm talking about creatively, the food that we're serving. It's the same food we've been serving for five years. You remember what happened when you put guts on the menu? Huh? Are you talking about my sweetbreads? Is that, is that what you mean by guts? Yeah. When you put that artsy shit on the menu, people don't like it. Not one person ordered your sweetbreads. Please listen to me. I sank a fortune into the remodel to get you the French uh, cookie top, whatever it is, that table top. French cooking sweet. Right. Not every chef gets yes. that. No, you know I why you get it? it. I appreciate it. You know it. why? No. Because you deserve it. So you don't know that, but I know it. You deserve it. So be smart just for tonight. Look, if you bought Stone's tickets and Jagger didn't play Satisfaction, how would you feel? Would you be happy? No. No. You'd burn the place to the fucking ground. 
I need your perspective on all of this. Um, he says stuff like, I've had chefs before you in this kitchen. I'll have chefs after you. Our place is in a creative rut. That's what Favreau says. Hoffman says, when you put that artsy shit on the menu, people don't like it. Um, he brags about how he bought him the French cooking suite he wanted. And then he says, you know what I think? I think you should play your hits. Your thoughts, David Chang. Um, I love Reva. <laughs> the Hoffman character. Because <laughs> yeah. it was the most accurate, by far and away, the most accurate person in the movie. I have found myself saying that to younger chefs that work for me. It's like, get rid of that artsy shit. Like, yeah, play the, the hits. What are you doing? You know what I mean? You're not good enough yet to do something like this. Right. Um, stop trying to impress people. Stop trying to be cool. But even that stuff, like, I've got you this fancy stove, all these things. And I know restaurateurs that are like him. So, uh, you know, he was very good, very convincing for me, for sure. What was the most artsy-fartsy thing you cooked where you had a heat check? You had a Jordan Poole 28-footer. I, I, I made a to tofu foam thing on sea urchin and tapioca pearls. <laughs> what yeah. restaurant was that? That samba early day. It was really good, but man, like I had my head up my own ass on that one for oh sure. Oh my God. Yeah. That sounds like the Jordan Pool 28 footer. Next one for rewatchable scenes. Chef reading the scathing review, which he thinks is going to be a good review. He reads it to the staff. Carl Casper can best be summed up by the first bite of his needy and yet, by some miracle, also irrelevant chocolate lava cake. Casper didn't even have the courage to undercook the cake, thus curiously lacking its signature molten center. This sad dessert is emblematic of Carl Casper's disappointing new chapter. His dramatic weight gain can only be explained by the fact that he must be eating all the food sent back to the kitchen two stars his dramatic weight gain must be because he's eating all the food people sent back to the kitchen that's my favorite line just brutal <laughs> he's like 40 daggers it's actually a well-written review um i would like to read the whole thing online if it exists but uh you must have had a moment like that where you're like oh the review's out and it's like ah oh. you know the reviews are less powerful today uh, than it's hard to describe for people that are not old enough, but when I first started cooking at like a serious restaurant in 2000, there was no online reviews at the time, yeah. right? So they would send me up. I remember in New York Times, it would come out the Tuesday night at like 10, 10 p.m. So they, they were like, here's some money, go to New York Times office, and they're going to put that out first. And I got that copy. I brought it down. It was a three-star review for Tom Colicchio's craft. It was glorious. It was the first time I've ever experienced anything, anything like that. When you get a great review, it's like winning a championship. Yeah. It really is. Getting a bad review, I've only really had one terrible review, and a lot of people piled in on that. That was Nishi. It is like the worst feeling in the world, especially when you're in that moment where you're like, everybody's like anticipating this thing, and yeah. you think you're doing a good job, and everybody, nobody's pessimistic, right? And then it comes out, it's like somebody died. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Nishi, what went wrong with that restaurant? I forget. Uh, I think. <laughs> or was it just backlash because you had had A little bit success. of that too. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the dishes that we did are now very commonplace in New York City. Um, oh, Nishi, now underrated. I think it was totally underrated. I also say this, I could have executed things better. And maybe it was too loud, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a great restaurant. 
And I think there was a little bit of backlash. That's just my opinion. But ultimately, we could have done better for sure. So you get, you read the review and you immediately just want to kill somebody? Yeah. I mean, it was more like, I can't believe this. I've, ne- I've never had a review like that. Everything had always been unbelievable, right? Yeah. Just super amazing reviews. And that one was a one star. It's like, I'm used to getting like three stars, two stars, three stars, right? One star feels aggressive. One star is like Jack in the Box. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like a good thing, right? You can get is Jack in the Box sponsoring us, Craig. Can I, <laughs> no? no, okay. No, we're clean. I'm gonna keep, let's keep that in. So I remember getting that and just being gutted. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I could really relate to that that moment in the film. For sure. Well, the good news for you is you don't internalize stuff and dwell on it for a long period of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the next one. Now I had I had it. I'll do this now. I had a critic question because this isn't burnt too. When the critic is coming, it really operates like this, where it's like Bob's coming today. We got to have good. What, what's our menu? Good? Like, okay. is this how accurate no. is this compared to real life? So again, like things like. The TV show The Bear, as as like it's the most accurate thing on TV and film, right? But even that is still following certain things that would never happen in a restaurant because it has to follow like a 37-minute arc or something like yeah. that. There is no way that would happen in real life. It would happen in Europe, you know, in Australia and the UK. The, the critic announces themselves beforehand. I don't know why, but they do that. Yeah. In America, it's all about being anonymous. So that... There is just no way you could explain that to an audience that has no idea about f- food and understanding criticism. So, like, with Momofuku, did you know no, Jonathan Gold was in there? You know, I mean, it's hard for you, him to miss. Because you knew what he looks like. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, when he's there, you're like, all right, he's there. Yeah, you know, just, but you don't know ahead of time. Just keep going. They always change their, 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 their pseudonyms. You have no idea, really. Mm. Next rewatchable scene, Hoffman versus Favreau, part two. It's not your food, it's my food. He's not wrong. We got a full house of people yeah. who are coming tonight yeah. to eat my food. No, it's not your food, Carl. It's not your food. By definition, it's my food because it's my restaurant. I pay for the glasses. I pay for the napkins. I pay for the spoons. I pay for Molly's salary. I pay for your entire staff's salary, okay? So you either cook my menu or Tony can. Tony, you've been cooking it half the time anyway. Tell the truth, right? So you're threatening to fire me now? Am I threatening to fire you? No, I'm telling you what I'm prepared to do if you don't cook my menu. Subject closed. Well, why don't you cook the menu without a chef? And we see how it goes. We see how it goes tonight. Let's go, Tony. Fuck this. Let's go, Tony. Tony's played by Bobby Carnival. He's just kind of freezes. Let's go, Tony. Is that have you seen that happen? Or it's like the chef's out. Oh, I thought my number two is coming. That happens all the time. Yeah. Maybe not in, in in that short amount of time, but probably over like a week period, that would happen, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely coming with you, chef. And then they never come. See, that's why I love fantasy and CR and Mallory and Juliet. <laughs> they were like my John Logue They came and we conquered. <laughs> now we have the beautiful ringer. Um, Favreau food prepping his revenge meal and then <laughs> coming to the restaurant and flipping out on Ramsey. <laughs> Chocolate lava cake is not just undercooked chocolate cake. That's not what makes the center molten. You take a frozen cylinder of ganache and you set it in the ramekin so that as the outside cooks fully, the inside becomes molten. 
Okay. It's fucking molten, see? It's fucking molten, you asshole. And you don't do anything. What do you do? You sit and you eat and you vomit those words back to make people laugh. You know how hard I work for this shit? Do you know how hard my whole staff works? What sacrifices it make to make you happy and then you just smugly just fucking shit on my shit? It's fucking molten, asshole. And this is probably the most unrealistic scene in the movie, but I really like it. I don't think anybody would be this deliberately crazy with 50 people know. there. I don't know. I, don't know. I think there's chefs that would definitely do it. Really? I think I would do it. You if would like, grab the molten cake and hold I, it up? If the There's so many dishes that critics get wrong. Yeah. And you're like, it was executed right. You're just a dumbass. Yeah. And that was sort of basically what he was telling Ramsey. He's like, the Molten Center, If you, to, to get geeky, that is like a Michel Bra invention from one of the great chefs ever. And there's two kinds of parallel uh, flourless worm chocolate cakes. One was sort of invented by Jean-Georges von Dritten, which doesn't have a center of chocolate ganache. It's just a batter that you cook underbaked. The Michel Bra one is very difficult, and he literally makes like a, a sphere of chocolate that when you bake it, it melts, and that's the chocolate mm. center, and that's the one that Favreau is being an homage to, and that's what he was saying. Like, you're an idiot. You don't know what this is. I love that yeah. version. The downy scene. Look at you. She's pregnant. Just found out. The, this one? Pissed on a stick, came in, laid it on me five seconds ago. Is he, so it's yours? That's what she's saying. You know, I know. I got a problem because she's best receptionist I've ever had. Yeah. Good news is I had my tubes tied in 08, so clearly she's also a fucking liar. Right. <sighs> That's tough. What do you want? You want coconut water? Um, you okay? I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Do you I'm, want a drink? I would, no. Let's make some decisions together. Let's all start right, right so here. Let's start off easy. We get, no, we got shit to talk about. Look, bang. We got four swatches, right? Let's start off easy, and then we'll get into the uncomfortable stuff. Pick it. The, for the, for here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm putting a carpet down, because people keep slipping around like it's a fucking ice rink in here. You can always get them take the booties off, and, uh... Can't do that. Robert Downey Jr., who's one of the most famous actors in the world at this point, just pops in and fucking hits, like, four threes in five seconds, <laughs> and it's just the peak... Like arrogant, kind of funny Robert Downey um, talking about how his secretary's pregnant. The good news is I had my tubes tied in 08, so she's clearly a fucking liar. <laughs> He's just going nuts. Uh, basically confesses that he might have had sex with Sofia Vergara. And uh, it's just fun to see Robert Downey. This cast in this movie, they have Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Dustin Hoffman, John Leguizamo, Amy Bobby Sedaris. Carnival, Amy Sedaris. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just loaded start to finish. Um, that was a nice interlude, right? It was like yeah. a nice intermezzo type of thing. Yeah, that's what, yeah, because yeah, then we move into the yeah. second half of the movie. Uh, this is a small scene, but I really like when he takes his son, as we, we both have sons, and he buys him the chef's knife and he explains the concept of this is your knife. You have to take care of it. I, I just like that part when they go to the farmer's market, they get all the, the meat for the Cubano. Just that, that whole section is really fun. The Burt sandwich speech is another great father-son moment. There's two great father-son moments. One yeah. was when the kid 
is helping him clean out the food truck and he throws away the hotel pan. Right, he gets mad, yeah. I was like, shit. I said that so many different ways to cooks. And I'm sure I've, now that my son's like four, I've said the same kind of thing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but you told me to, you know, it's just communication breakdown a little bit. Yeah. And then the burnt one, I've had that, the burnt Cubano I've had thousands and thousands of times. You just want to cheat somebody to care because this is like my profession. I care about it, which is why I'm good at it, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that, that definitely was real. I'm good at this. I get to touch people's lives with what I do. But I'm good at this. And I want to share this with you. I want to teach you what I learned. I get to touch people's lives with what I do. And it keeps me going and I love it. And I think if you give it a shot, you might love it too. I mean, that must have resonated with you. It's true. Very few things a person can do for another person. Like you can, you can write something, you can make, I don't know, a TV show. Like you can make a show like Succession. You can cook for them. You can play music for them. It's not a long list. It's probably under 10. The South Beach Cubanos and the Annoying Police Officer. Yes. Leading into the Things Are Going Well montage, which is always one of my favorites in any movie where we get lots of screens up. The police officer's hilarious. I have Franklin's barbecue. I for, didn't like the police officer bit. I thought that was fun. I like when he's like, one more with the with the bread. That to me is the go take a pee break. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. We disagree. Franklin's barbecue, we did not disagree. No. That, that that is just I love the the respect to the church to Aaron Franklin, who's now like, you know, there are people that say that it's better, but it's still my favorite. I think it's the best barbecue, some of the very best in the world. And uh yeah. It's and delicious. for the people listening, it really is like that. There's just this giant fucking, he took us in there too when we went, this giant thing in the back. You open it up and there's just these huge things of meat. It's awesome. It sells out immediately. It's the best smell you've ever smelled. Your clothes smell after, your hands smell after, your face smells, you're like in a half coma. Just seeing that on TV made me happy because yeah. I love that restaurant so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's like, yeah. I mean, he's one of the legends now. I really like the one second video montage. It was like, like like TikTok before TikTok. Was yeah. that Vine? I guess it was like a version of Vine. Yeah. Can I also say, I, do you think that this was the first movie that integrated social media, how they would show the typing on stuff on the screen? I think it was one of the very it's, first ones. I had that in there. It's it, For better and worse, because some of it doesn't really work because they didn't get the graphics down yet. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's you know what did that ones. was House of Cards. The TV show did that too. Which is right around then. Remember? Oh, yeah, you're right. They always had the text bubbles on Because I remember Good watching call, it for the first time being like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ending when the guy says he'll back him. <laughs> what a swerve. How realistic is that? You wouldn't have been backed by this guy. You would have told him to go fuck himself and choke on his Cubano. 1,000%. Yeah. I probably would have started a competing uh, newspaper site just to put him out of business. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we love each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Because at that point, he's probably like, this food truck's going great. I could get some backers. That could be a picking nits at that, with this movie where it's like, yes. you're doing awesome. Somebody's going to, will have backed you with the Cubanos by now. All right. So what's the most rewatchable scene for you? Um, I, <laughs> there's three, not one. I think when he's making pasta for Scarlett Johansson after oh, service. Oh, yeah. The, he makes alio y olio, which is one of the easiest 
dishes anyone can make. It's garlic, olive oil, chili pepper. You can add parsley or not add parsley. The pasta water and spaghetti and salt. You're done. <laughs> like, to me, that was real. That's what cooks would make because you don't need anything, really. Yeah. Um, and it's just always a funny thing to me that he's having sex with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> After making your pasta. <laughs> the power of food. Yeah. 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 And, What's the uh, second one? The second one is, yeah, the critic. I love watching someone, the critic, getting, like, yelled at. Yeah. Because that's just, like, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Even though I don't know if I would do it direct. Like, maybe I would, depending on the situation. Um, And the grilled cheese. You know. I had that in What Stage the Best. You're right. The grilled cheese should have just been its own rewatchable scene. It's a good scene. What's yours? I think I really just like being at Franklin's Barbecue. Yeah. That place made me so happy. We had such a great day there. And I just liked it. Aaron had the same look on his face when we hung out with him that he does in that entire scene. <laughs> he's just happy. He, he's So many people have told him, like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Like, at some point, you, it just bounces off him. He's a good dude. And he's, he's just a, really a nice guy. guy. My favorite thing in that scene was he takes that pocket knife out and he cuts a chunk of that oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, best pure scene though is probably um, the when he flips out on the critic is just because you're waiting for it. It's building towards. It keeps it's on going. It's yeah. a long scene. It's great. Uh, what stage the best? The little kid is awesome. MJ. It is so hard to nail the little kid in these movies, and he's in a lot of scenes. He's carrying different weight with Favreau in different scenes. He's got to get upset. He's got to be kind of funny. He's got to be like the third man with. Favreau and Leguizama. I just thought the kid's excellent. Um, I think the cooking scenes are both like age the best and age the worst. What's age the worst about them? Like the technique and the vibe and the tension and everything that's in the kitchen and some of the banter they tried to nail, like, you know, the bacon in the oven and stuff like that. But I know Roy was behind a lot of this stuff. So this is what I'm going to say, Roy. If I was making food in 2013 and they're using my dishes, it still would look old. And I always say, the only thing that ages worse than comedy is food. Yeah. And food design. And just little things like this swoosh, like one of that, the, the dish with the shrimp that he does, he, he put, you put a dollop down and you sort of make like a Nike, Nike logo. Yeah. Like nobody does that anymore. Unless you want to look like you're cooking in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a what stage the best and the worst. Yeah, that's okay. what I mean. It's the best and the worst. I got you. I have for what stage the best. This is the most I've ever liked John Leguizamo and Bobby Carnival in a movie. I didn't like Bobby. You didn't like Bobby in the movie. I thought he was weak sauce in it. But uh, but that's the whole point of the character, no, though. He, a He's real supposed weak, to be the no way. A real weak sauce like sous chef like that is like way more hungover, way less. Like involved, interesting, and he's the person that gets hired and promoted, but everyone talks shit about. And he's a disaster. Nobody felt that way about him. You know, it's never like a nice thing, in my opinion. When that guy did, gets you buy that when he went to get drinks with them again? No way, he would never be there. You would never see that guy again. No, once he done. didn't go with you, that's it. You know, you're the half time. You, yeah, this guy's fucking dead to me. Right. I mean, Just now, remember, Craig. <laughs> in 2023, I'd be, I'd hopefully have learned to be like, hey, like, you know, but. There's a sense of loyalty. It's like, hey, we're in this together. Yeah. And part of it is, I think it also a testament to Favreau. Like, I'm not that person in that moment to be like, you know, you should. It's good for you. 
I think retrospect I would have, but I'd still harbor like, you know, you could have done what Leguizamo did. Right. Well, Leguizamo is amazing in this movie. He's very, very I, good. He's so good. Um, Ramsey Michelle, the digital palette has aged the best. Just the whole concept and the the name, the digital palette's really funny. Like that's actually something somebody might have come up with in the 2010s. But also like a may not seem like believable now, but really believable yeah. back then. A blogger his own, that became famous yeah. and has his own website that he sold for a bunch of money. It's like all real. Yeah. Critics being haters for a chef has aged the best. I don't feel like we have that anymore. No. Gary Clark Jr. has aged the best. Just yeah. he, he did, It's not like he's in this movie for a second. Like They linger on him as he plays two songs. You know what I liked about it? There was no mention of his name. No. He was just playing in the background, and they weren't like, hey, there's Gary Clark Jr. Right. He was just in Or it. like the awkward scene where he comes after, like, hey, Gary, that was great. <laughs> like, they didn't do any of that. I like when Favreau says, uh, you know what I am? I'm a meme. Which felt pretty early on the meme, just to acknowledge that you've become a meme section of the arc of memes. Can I say how things have changed on social media is that all of the things that he was learning in 2013, his kid was teaching him about social media. Yeah. Now I think most adults would know how to do it, all that stuff, right? No question. That's, yeah. that's a crazy amount of change. It was a little early for Twitter. Uh, the vignettes. That's also, you know, I'd say one of my favorite things is Cafe Du Monde. Have you been there in New Orleans? Come on. Of course. Sorry. I didn't know Stop this. Stop it. Would you have thought that Bill Simmons would have what been What are you there? talking about? Okay, of I know you've been to How do you go to New Orleans and not go there? It's like uh, the number one thing you have to go me, to. Bill. Now, I haven't been to New Orleans since we went back to back in 13 and 14 and we we went for work both times and we had an unbelievable time, but the the Binets, it's just it's weird. Nobody else has been able to replicate why they're special in New Orleans. What is it? I have no idea. But Cafe like du Monde. If they were like down the street and they're like, hey, they're making vignettes, I would just assume they weren't as good. Because I, I think they put more powdered sugar. I just, it's one of the very few. How many places can you think of that are like straight tourist trap attractions? Straight. Like that's what it is. But also locals go there and it's really good. Right. And it has an iconic something. Very, very few places. And that that is a, a magical spot for sure. New Orleans is one of my favorite, favorite cities. Uh, Zion Williamson feels the same way about the food. <laughs> I, well, and I, I can get it because every time I've gone there, I think I put on like six pounds and I feel like I'm sick for a week after. The PR person throwing Hell's Kitchen at uh, Amy Sedaris, throwing that at Favreau is really funny. That was strangely one of my favorite bits in the whole movie. Yeah. Don't you think that she nailed, at least for me, if talking to PR people, what I hate about restaurant PR people is exactly, there's nothing she said that wouldn't have happened in real life. Well, she says that one thing. She goes, he's like, this is going to haunt me forever. And she's like, nah, there's so much news that there's so fast. <laughs> there's so much white noise that nobody remembers anything. Kind of true. Yeah. And like, hey, I'm going to deactivate my company. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can make money off this. Right. I really, this is a really stealth LA thing. I like that his new restaurant that he's working for that he doesn't really like with Hoffman, that it's in Brentwood. Brentwood. Perfect location. Do you know the farmer's market where the first scene is? Where they're yeah. Pasadena farmer's market. I think it's the Pasadena farmer's market. I thought that too, because it wasn't the Brentwood no, farmer's market. No, and it couldn't, it couldn't be uh, Santa Monica. So No, and it definitely wasn't the one. And I it was. looks like his home's probably in Cape Town area or yeah. downtown, his apartment. 
Yeah. And Sofia Vergara seems like she lives near the Santa Monica or Hancock Park. Um, the concept of an owner battling with a chef that's aged the best. That's, that's a time old tale. Cornstarch on your balls. Yes. Can you tell us about this? Um, this is a real I, thing. I have that written down as the life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so this is a thing in kitchens. Not only is it a thing, it is just a commonplace acceptance that this happens. So when I first went into a bathroom, I remember I was like, like one of my first days in a real kitchen, I kept on going back. It took me like a couple of weeks to muster up the courage to ask like one of the sous chefs, like, hey, like, why are all these boxes of cornstarch in the bathroom? And why are they all open? And like, yeah. there's cornstarch everywhere. Like Scarface was in here. Like, what the fuck is this? Right. And he's like, you dip your balls in it. <laughs> I was like, Unbelievable. I was like, what are you talking about? I understand like people, uh, gold bonds I, I, I knew about, right? Yeah. But like, I didn't know cornstarch and literally anybody that's a guy working the line because it gets so hot, you get swamp ass immediately yeah. in like 30 minutes and you're there for like five, six hours standing I up. I wish just somebody told sweat. me this when I bartended and <laughs> waited. Right? Yeah. Because you don't need to because you're in like a, a, like a temperate, climate i used to go in the bathroom and get like the big hunk of paper towels and just <laughs> do it that but way cornstarch, what are you gonna do they had like that's a real thing yeah. it's a real thing happens quite a bit especially yeah. if you're behind like any sort of bar situation that the part because all the heat coming off, off the, the refrigerator refrigerator yeah. the cornstarch could have saved your life yeah. it sounds crazy but it's the real thing cornstarch at my werewolves <laughs> That's what leguizama <laughs> says uh for what's age the best the soundtrack it's which, huevos on his huevos <laughs> Oh, I thought he said werewolves. Well, no, huevos. It's yeah, eggs. His balls. Yeah. Yeah. Huevos. Oh, huevos. Yeah. <laughs> I thought werewolves was funnier. <laughs> uh, soundtrack, which is Latin jazz, New Orleans jazz, and blues. Um, and it moves through as they go to the different cities. It's really good. And just in general, like the uh, the music has like a cool vibe. Just a fun movie to hang out with. And then we get Gary Clark on top of it. I was watching, and maybe this is a favorite scene, and maybe I could be totally wrong. When they're at the farmer's market, and there's the marionette thing with the skeleton, and they're playing Al, Al Green's uh, yeah. Tired of Being Alone. Is that like a... And there's like a weird shot of Favreau, and then going to the skeleton that's being puppeted. Is that like a metaphor for him and the movie? And like his real life stuff? I don't know, but... I almost put that in rewatchable scene, because I did feel like... There's something there. He was trying to say something that went this beyond like, the movie. That I was like, you watched it, like, because I was like, the only reason I bring that up, I watched it again because that was like a pee break moment to me. And then I watched it and I was like, why the fuck is this scene in here? Yeah. It's weird. It's weird, but he's definitely trying to tell us something. The only other one I had for what stage the best is, how can I back that? You were one of my <laughs> early boys. When the critic says that to the chef and that whole concept of the critic having... They're guys that they feel like they had. I'm sure you felt this. With I have people. definitely been on that uh, other end of people yeah. feel like they own stock in you because they wrote something nice and helped build you up. And it's no different than say anybody that's not a food critic that said to themselves, "Oh, I can't support this band anymore. They're just like too mainstream." Right. The Big Kahuna Burger Award for best use of food or drink. This is. I could say hands down, and since we've had this category, this is the toughest we've ever had for this. And I narrowed it down to three nominees. Franklin's Barbecue, The Grilled Cheese, or 
or when he makes hash browns. And I guess we could put in the pasta he makes for Scarlett Johansson as well. I was just trying to think of things that made me the most hungry. The grilled cheese actually made me want to go make a grilled cheese. So I think that wins for me. I've, you know, I watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Roy and I've never seen anybody like DJ the bread before. Yeah. Uh, might have to try that technique out. But you, we talked about this. You like all that cheese. I'm not, I'm a less cheese is better on a grilled cheese. You want well, the I more. I mean, the word in the street is your grilled cheeses just aren't that good. All right, That's man. what Hugo told me. That's this what is, I heard. This is how you're going to make French fries. Enough. I heard you Bill. never really unsolved the, you never really cracked right, the code so on grilled is, cheeses. This, this is what we got to do. I got to have a cooking throwdown with your mom. You're going to lose on meatballs. Like, I don't want that to happen to you. You figured out French fries. I yeah. at least inspired that. The Den of Thieves Benihana Award for scene stealing location. I just love being in South Beach. You could also say French Quarter too, but. They capture like what South Beach is like on a really nice day, which is weird people walking around. It's nice and the women are pretty and I don't know. I like being there. South Beach is fun for 48 hours. Exactly. Maybe even 36. <laughs> but when you get there, it's like, whoa, whoa. this is great. You oh my feel God. like you're in like the South of France yeah. or something like day that. Day four, you're ready. Yeah. It's like Vegas. You're like, I gotta get out of here. I don't know what to have for Great Shot Gorder Award for most cinematic shots. So I just went with the shot of all the meat at Franco Barbecue. I'll go with the same. Yeah. It was just, wasn't the most artistic shot, but it was amazing. The Vincent Chase Award for, are we sure this character was actually good at his job? I'm adding this to the list. I didn't send this to you. Um, are we sure any of the people were as good at their job as the movie made it seem? Like, for instance, Carl? Like he's making some Cubanos? Like how how great could those Cubanos have been compared to again not the typical that I, person's Cubanos? Not that I didn't look at all the ingredients and I was like, could it be that good? But I'm also putting context of its day. Maybe it wasn't. It's also new, so I don't know. Head of its time, but probably replicable, right? Yes, but it's also maybe the sides and everything else. Even my own restaurant, people said, "Hey, our noodles suck," but everything else is delicious, right? right? Um, for me, it was again like uh, Bobby Cannavale. Again, like the Why food that when he was in charge because Casper quit. Yeah. And the food that he was putting out was straight garbage. You could just tell from. Yeah. I'm just like, you can't. I mean, to me, I was like, that guy's a hack ass motherfucker. He, he should never work here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's age the worst? We mentioned the importance of food critics. I didn't think the on-screen Twitter graphics totally worked. It was, it was kind of the primitive era of Twitter graphics. It was, they were I, hard I, to read. I liked it because it was so, like... Did you beginning. read them, though? I had trouble, like, even no, just reading them. It wasn't Maybe about it was smaller it. TVs. Um, but I, I, I liked that bit because it was, like, it put everything in the context. Yeah. You know? I just couldn't see it. I have for what stage the worst, quote, My kid and I saw you on Tosh.0. You were hilarious. Did Tosh.0 exist? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Tosh.0 was of 2010s. Really? I thought they just made that up. No, No. huge. Daniel Tosh, the comedian. Really? Yeah. I was trying to get him to come on my podcast for like a year. He wouldn't do any press, but he liked me. (laughs) Um, What else do you have for which is the worst? I mean, the food to me is, is, again, some of it, the food that the critic ate that we saw. Just say it. I thought it was fucking worse. (laughs) If that was the food that made... Carl Casper famous. Yeah. It's like, what was that about, man? Like, <laughs> like beef, beef cheeks and beef cheeks. No, but even before that, like the, the, the hits, if those were his hits, like what the fuck? 
So you thought he needed some sort of... No, these were the hits. Eggs, caviar with fingerling potato chips. Yeah. That's like a classic arpege dish. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about just chefs and re- iconic dishes, right? So it's based on a lot of these esoteric dishes. Then it was just like scallops. And then it was French onion soup. Yeah. <laughs> that that made me hungry though. I love then French it, onion then soup. it looked like a, a pe- like a, a veal chomp on potatoes, mashed potatoes and like t- two cherry tomatoes on top. And then the floor, uh, the warm chocolate cake. I'm like, I understand why that had to happen because you're trying to tell a narrative. But when I take that out of context, if I'm just judging it on that, and then I put into consideration that it was Bobby Cannavale at the pass making that food go out, like not t- So what terrible. would you have added if they made you a conciliary? No, I'm just saying like, but, but what, what dish should he have had an extra dish? Like, no, that, that I'm not, I have no idea. But like, if those were the hits for Carl Casper, those dishes that I just talked about. And he's not about, doing that well. Then what the hell? Yeah. Why am I going maybe to Brentwood? My, what's going, maybe Miami wasn't that hot. Right. I don't know. Does maybe that make sense? Big fish in a small pot. Yeah. That type yeah. of thing. Ron Burgundy flew to word. Best time for a pee break. I have right after the downy seed when they, they're fixing the food truck. I think you can jump out of there for three minutes. I like that. P went out. I said, uh, for me, it was the cop. Okay. Was there a better title for this movie? I said burnt. Well, there's a whole story. It was chef first burnt. There was a cease and desist at one point. Sony cleared the title chef and the chef and the other burnt movie, which was written by Stephen Knight had to change their name to burnt came out a year later. With Bradley Cooper, a movie that you do not like as much as Chef. I like both movies because I like food movies, but I like Chef the way more. Plating. Than I mean, here's the thing. This is why the food in Burnt is so goddamn stupid. I can't even comprehend it. Everything that happened in in Chef as a food like is great in 2013, 2014, and how they cook is all extremely realistic. Credit to Roy. Everything that happens in Burnt is a based on a bullshit true story like none of that would ever happen right it's just none of it it makes me mad just thinking about how stupid the dishes so you're are. not you're not available for the burnt rewatchables <laughs> i would love to do a burnt rewatchables <laughs> <laughs> all right uh best quote what do you have for best quote um well, i wrote it down where are we at? i had uh i had i'm good at this i get to touch people's lives with what i do i think is the enduring quote of this movie um I have it, you know, I have the best quote. Um, Carl Casper's waking can only be explained to the fact that he's reading all the foods that back to his kitchen. a good one. <laughs> Let's take a break and then we're going to do some hottest takes. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, It's a certified B corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet... You can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified B Corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms, 
Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed, with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic Drive-Ins. All right, it's time for the Stephen A. Smith Hottest Take Award. Did you bring a hottest take or do you just want me to do mine? Do yours first. Go first. Chef two, it's time. Chef two. Now we got to see the food world in 2023-24 through Carl, who is clearly been canceled by Scarlett Johansson's character or some, some sort of something. <laughs> now he's on the road back again and he's divorced and his kid's grown up and doesn't want to be his sous chef. And I just want to get back with the crew as he puts his life back together again. Chef too. Can I give I'm you, green lighting it right now. Can I give you my hot take on that? Yeah. Is that happens 48 hours after the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> right after they open Sophia the restaurant. Sophia Vergara was like, what? Scarlett Johansson? I'm, I'm, no, I'm back. Did they get remarried at the end? Like, yeah. Why would, I, why would I get remarried this guy again? And then Scarlett Johansson is like the love interest. Like, I just thought she was great in it. Why she was the hostess or sommelier, I don't know. But um, we have her. We're going to deep dive her during Dion Waiter's award. So you think Chef 2 should have just been 48 hours later. They get immediately get divorced. I and- was joking that I thought the next day it all falls apart. Okay. That's like a real chef life. Yeah. <laughs> Went well for one day. Yeah. Then El Jefe had like a, some sort of uh some dysentery scare. Exactly. It's a bathroom. Somebody sued because they choked on an oyster and it just goes. Everything good that happens in the restaurant world turns bad. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find any casting what ifs. A rare movie where there was none. The Ruffalo Hannah Rubinek Partridge overacting award couldn't really find anything for this either. I do feel like there was a couple of times when Favreau was trying to seem like he was getting emotional where he kind of dialed it up and made the John Favreau, I'm getting emotional face. In the critic scene. Well, no, like when he's doing the, watching the one second a day videos. Oh, that's right. That's he's talking right. to his son. He kind of does, when he drops his son off and he makes the John Favreau sad face. Can I say so, that that was actually, now that I think about it, probably my uh, fast forward moment. Dropping off the sun? No, the one second video, one of your favorite bits. Oh. Because I just watched the movie. I don't need to see the one second clips of that again. <laughs> Fair. I liked it. I'm corny though. Best that guy word, probably Russell Peters, the guy who played the police officer he didn't like. That's Russell Peters? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's a good that guy. Uh, is that the Dion Waiters Award? No, no, Dion Waiters Award is right here. And this is... Craig, you tell me if this is about as loaded as we've ever gotten for Dion Waiters. Our nominees, Scarlett Johansson, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Downey Jr., Oliver Platt, Gary Clark Jr., and Aaron Frank- Franklin, the barbecue guy. I think you're missing Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris. Let's throw her in, too. I think, for me, she's my Dion Waiters heat check award. Really? Yeah. 
Because it was the most believable conversation outside of Riva. Like Riva, that shit happens all the time. And I think that PR conversation happens all the time. It was extremely believable and, you know. Fair case. Um, the winner is Robert Downey Jr. <sighs> well, it's my winner. You can have your winner. We can no, disagree. I think, I, you know, I think that's what most he comes people would in, agree. There's, I don't even know who the character was. We know nothing about him. And he just starts hitting 30-footers. Draymond's doing handoff plays with him. He's coming around picks, just firing it up over his head. Could he any, five threes in five minutes. Could anyone else you know of played that role? Literally role? nobody. Not one actor. I thought about this, actually. I was trying to think, like... DiCaprio? No. Not like that. Clooney would have tried. It wouldn't have gone as well. Nobody. Not one person. Maybe Denzel, if he had more of a sense of humor, but I don't even think him. I don't think the person exists. This is, like, the perfect Robert Downey... <laughs> And Favreau would know. Favreau would know because he's hung out with him. And I like that he dipped into the friendship. Also, Downey doesn't do shit like this. Just period. It's like the only thing he's done like this. Recasting Couch. I love the casting in this movie, but I would add a Dave Chan cameo. Uh, they had Lucky Peach in there, so I'm okay. Yeah, but could, I don't know. Could they... Would there have been a way to go to Washington first and then gone, gone down and you happen to be there that day complaining about Daniel Snyder and... Chef 2, David Chang is Daniel <laughs> Snyder's personal chef. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him to sell the team. I don't know. I like the I like the casting. Did you have anything you would change? You know, I saw on the, sh uh, the sheet like Danny Trejo. I probably, here's what I would have done. I would have, and I love Bobby Cannavale as an actor, but I don't think he played that role well. It Got wasn't it. believable being hungover. That's not a hungover chef that's been out all night. Should we go on Trejo? I think you move Leguizamo to the uh, oh, we can't touch Leguizamo. He's such a good sidekick, though. But Danny Trejo as a cook is like a real thing. Okay. that That is like a more believable Martin character that's okay. still extremely loyal, but maybe not as loquacious. half fast center research. Leguizamo uh, spent time as an actual line cook at the Lion in West Village. Yeah, I actually think that he might have spent a night staging at Noodle Bar. Really? I, I swear to God, I was trying to think about this. I was trying to find emails. And he, he stars around at a bunch of restaurants. I swear, I think he stopped by Noodle Bar. Filming locations in Miami included the Versailles Restaurant. That's the, a classic, classic, classic Blue classic Hotel. Yep. Hoy Coma Ayer in Little Havana. I probably said that wrong. Hoy Coma Ayer? I don't even know. I don't know how it is. In New Orleans, there are Cafe du Monde. Austin, Franco Barbecue, and Gueros on South Congress. Uh, they improvised a lot of the food trunk scenes with uh, the three to capture what it's like in a kitchen. You mentioned the chef show with Favreau and Roy Choi. That I've been on. On Netflix, 2019. Did a second season, 2020. El Jefe at the end when they're at that nighttime food truck event, that's based on an actual event in Venice called First Fridays, and you can briefly see Roy Choi's truck. Yeah, the Kogi was in the background. Initial truck. Uh, and then Favreau said in the director commentary for some of the road scenes, they used stock footage and put the truck in digitally, which that was huh. pretty convincing. Apex Mountain. Chefs? <laughs> Did it ever get better for chefs than 2014? It is uh, definitely peak chef time. For peak sure. chef, Apex Mountain. Favreau, no. I actually think it's probably after Iron Man comes out. I think we 
I think we did that. Although Van, I think, made the case for Amanda. What did Van say for Favreau and Apex Moan? Iron Man, I think. I think it was Iron Man. I think we agree on that. You don't. You guys don't think it's the Mandalorian? Or as an actor no. or director? Because he, coming he out of Iron Man. thought it was Mando, and then you explained why Iron Man, he had more juice. Yeah. Twitter. It's peak Twitter. Right? Two years later, well, Trump peak- ruins Twitter, and then Twitter turns into this just... Or do you consider that peak Twitter? I think 2014, there was still something fun about Twitter. It was still promotional, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it became. I mean, everything in 2014 seemed possible in a good way. Right. <laughs> it's true. Wow. It's one of the never, last nice eras we've had. It was an apex life. Yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> Food critics, definitely. Unless you would say like two years earlier. I'm also going to say hot take. Apex Cubano sandwich. I had Cubanos next. I love a Cubano. When have Cubanos ever been used better? I, I, do you want to do Cubanos now? Because I had this an unanswerable question. Okay, let's go. Want to do it now? Let's go. Why aren't they more in my life? I can't remember ever <laughs> being like, hey man, there's this place that has these great Cubanos. Do you want to go? And me saying like, no, that sounds terrible. Or, hey, I made you a Cubano. Do you want a bite? Like, I'd love a bite. It's just for some reason they kind of fell by the way the sandwich wayside in a way that I don't totally understand. And they don't seem that hard to make. They're delicious, number one. Yeah. And it's one of the very few sandwiches I like mustard on. I'm not a mustard guy. It's got, you have to have a steady thing of pickles in there. It's got everything. The fat, if I have to be critical, I think the ham is unnecessary. There's a, usually a slice honest. of ham. So you, you do just, grilled cheese with no meat? No, you, there's ham and there's um, like deli ham and there's like roast pork leg in there. Oh, in the official in the Cubano they made in this. And I think they put the ham in there too, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Hmm. But you don't see Cubanos maybe because there's not. A I huge... can't remember the last time I've had one. I don't even really remember what's in it. In New York, I would get them a bunch. So what's you're making a Cubano for me? What are you putting in it? Pork, no ham. No, Long I mean French bread. Soft. Here's the thing: if I'm going to make it for you, I'm going to try to make it as like the real version. Yeah. And then me, I probably would probably put some other salted pork in there. But you really need that for the salt because it's a lot of meat that may not be seasoned. So that's why this. I think the ham slice has a actual legitimate reason to be in there, but I probably would put something else in there. So when they go to Franco Barbecue and they make it with the Franco yeah, that's Barbecue that's the one meat, I want to eat. <laughs> that looked like the single most delicious yes. sandwich you could ever I mean, eat in your life. That would be sick. We got Philippe's French dip last week, actually. Postmated it but put the sauce on the side and then toasted the, the, the French dip a little bit more. And then it was fucking great. It was fucking great. The Cubano is really great because it's a walking and eating sandwich. Right. It's a great walking. Not super drippy. If it's made correctly. No. Yeah. It seems like pretty replicable. Underrated. Apex Cubano also criminally underrated. Still. Yeah. I don't even know where you can, can you even get one? It's like the Robert Horry of sandwiches. (laughs) Sofia Vergara, I'm going to say probably it's a couple years earlier when she's on Modern Family just getting nominated for Emmys year after year, but it's right around her apex, probably maybe a year before. The TV show Hell's Kitchen, I think Apex Mountain. I think it's still My son still watches it on YouTube. one of the biggest shows. My son loves it. It's huge. You know, I never told you this because I thought you'd get mad, but my son said to me, Dad. Why doesn't Chang make a show like Hell's Kitchen where he just yells at everybody? It's I was like, because he would never do that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> he loves watching Gordon Ramsay just yell at people. Um, he's, he's, Ramsay is 
like Eminem at yelling at people. He really is. Yeah, it's tough to match. Apex Mountain for South Beach. I'm going to make the case right now. No way. LeBron's still there. The Heat have won. They're in the finals four straight years. Yeah, maybe for that. Miami's a thing. My, Miami. All the, all the hotels have really rounded into shape in a real way. Mm-mm. The word is out that Miami is actually like the cool place to go and have fun for five days and you're, it's a little under the radar. You're not getting captured by paparazzi. All the celebrities are going down there. At that, at that point with South Peach, it was known that NBA teams like don't bet on them the day in an afternoon game after they've been in South Beach. I feel like the legend of South Beach was really going at this point. Maybe for sports and nightlife, but for food, it's this year. It's since the pandemic. Everyone's 23. 21, 22, because there was no rules. Yeah. You could do whatever you want. So many people move down there to operate, and it's become like one of, if not the best food cities in America. Really? It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's apex. Well, you've talked right about now. this on your pod, yeah. so I shouldn't sound this surprised. Yeah. But what's like the, what's the number one restaurant there now, in your opinion? Or what's I don't like know the it's number, number one, but then? everyone's going to Carbone and all their iterations of it. Okay. Yeah. Vignettes? I think underrated, not Apex. People don't know. I was trying to think, in, maybe in a movie? Probably in a movie. I've never seen it in another movie. Yeah, they did a good job. And then uh, Roy Choi. It's peak powers at this point. Right around when he won the award. He's got the truck. He's helping Favreau make a movie. Um, I think it's still, I think the chef more, I don't know how many people watch the Netflix show. Okay. Fair. That's like, to me, that's when, when people watch Netflix shit, like really pops. Any other Apex Mountain for you? No. Okay. Best racehorse name from this movie. El Jefe is obviously the winner. I put Ramsey Michelle. Ramsey Michelle's good. (laughs) I also like Cubano. (laughs) It's like, here comes Cubano. Picking nits. Why is Inez so wealthy? What's her deal? Is it because it's she married Robert Downey? Robert Downey Jr.'s and character? she's an, and I think uh, Favreau's character implies that she's an actress. That I don't. This is a good picking nit because there's a backstory with her that I don't totally understand. It's just like they were married and she was rich, and that's it. They leave it alone. Probably could have been explained in twenty seconds by somebody. Just show her on it. Oh, one of your old shows is running, and it's like her on like. You I know, just need to OC. know what happened. How did that How did relationship? He pull that off? Yeah. Well, we know he was a lot skinnier when he lived because the critic says that. So I mean, still, a skinny. We know what a skinny Favreau like looks fr- like. Friends Favreau, right? We know what the yeah. skinny Favreau looks like. Is that good enough to land her? She loved food. That's what she I'm trying to say. Over. So I want to know what were, what were the dishes? People say this about Grace. They're like, "How did he get Grace?" This is, this is true. This is true. No, I think he probably was like a big celebrity in Miami, right? I don't know. That's why we need a prequel. I'm with you that it, it, it does seem a little far-fetched that in like the 2002 range, somebody would have emerged as a celebrity chef in Miami. John, don't get pissed at me. I'm just telling you I understand why, but it's just is like, yeah. eh, I get it. I get why it happened. Another picking it for me. Would Twitter really drive that many people in New Orleans to a Cubano truck yes. in 2014? It was how people found food. Even in the French Quarter when there's a million uh, things to do? Nationally. Okay. We did the, well, the next category is better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hahn, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, JT Walsh, or Philip Baker Hall. We don't have CR coming into Wayne Jenkins. You already said the answer is Trejo. I had him written down too. I will say too, 
Catherine Hahn is probably the more believable sommelier than a Scarlett Johansson. To Fair. Me. Fair. They did try to make Scarlett like seem like that the the restaurant maitre d' who's definitely like left home when she was seventeen and you know. I mean, again, friend, all the Marvel movies, but I just think when I talk to people about chef, they're always at least in the culinary community, you know what they always say? Like, how did that guy yeah. land Scarlett Johansson? Juggling the ladies. <laughs> just want to ask Oscar who gets it. This is maybe controversial, but I'm giving it to the Oscar winner historic. I mean, he's won like a handful. What? Dustin Hoffman? Hoffman for best supporting actor. It was very, very, very brief, but very believable. I put Leguizamo. I love him in this movie. Best supporting actor. He's just I love him so additive. There's that he doesn't have he, a bad like second in this movie. All his lines are great. I just don't think he I love when he shows up. I love when he gets the guys to come over to help them move the stuff because he promised them sandwiches. Great stuff. Best double feature choice with this movie. I like the idea of swingers and then chef. I also like the idea of just doing chef burnt combo, just banging out. Mid 2010s food movies. What was um, Favreau's movie he did with Vince Vaughn where they're boxing? I like that one too. Okay. So what's your pick? Uh, I'm, but I'm not going to go there. I think you, if you're going to do food, I'm going to say uh, Eat, big Drink, night? Man, Woman. Yeah. Not, not Big Night and Ratatouille. Oh. I think Ratatouille is still like I've heard this The take. best, one of the best culinary movies of all, like for fine dining. Yeah. It covers so many things. Probably unanswerable questions. Is it possible for the Cubano to have this much power and potency? So again, to get granular here, it's possible if they were like making their own flour with their own special, special pig. sauce on it. Yeah. Yeah. And everything's like custom designed. Yeah. But they're just buying from wherever or the farmer's market. So I listen, it's a movie. I'm going to give it its belief that. Yes, it can happen. But in real life, I don't think so. You have any other answers? I still want to know his career. To me, that's the most fascinating thing as a chef. How did he wind up in Miami? How did he wind up in LA? The prequel. The so prequel. you want prequel. I want the prequel. I think okay. that would give everything a, a nice sort of tie all my questions I have together. Indian Red Zuane Award for what happened the next day is... Divorce. <laughs> well, here's my other question. In 2023, is El Jefe still open? Mm, that's a good question. Did it change hands? Well, I, I think this is what happened. Good idea for a restaurant. Down. I would go to El Jefe tonight. I think that for sure, the, those partners, culinary partnerships rarely ever work out. Yeah. They always end up in divorce. Especially with a food critic. And, yeah. Yeah. For sure, they're not together anymore. No. Probably the son doesn't like John Favreau too much. The son found girls and he was yeah. out. He's like, Dad, I can't help you prep the... And do you think that he's still married to Sofia Vergara? Probably not. Do you think maybe he found a relationship with Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, probably not. Probably a third one. <laughs> Pro probably, uh, I don't know, some customer that came in or something. <laughs> what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? I actually have it. I don't have it on me because I was trying to find it for this, but it's in storage somewhere, is Favreau. So this is a good story. Before the movie came out, he wanted my notes on it. Hmm. So I went to his house and I saw it in his like home theater. And um, he gave me a gold coin. 
that said chef on it. So only the people in production got this gold coin. Wow, I got the that's gold a coin. good. We, a real, yeah. Craig, if we had somebody in the category actually had memorabilia, nope. I think we made like legitimately. There are gold coins, probably not real gold, but yeah. who knows? And it's a chef with the whole logo and everything on it. I have the food truck. That'd be just a cool thing to have. The, the food whole truck thing? from Chef. Yeah, just like in your backyard. <laughs> What's that? It's the food truck. It says Cubanos on it. Coach Finstock award, best life lesson. It's cornstarch. You had cornstarch. I had, I think do what you love is a good lesson from this movie. And one of the reasons I like it. It's all about the battle between doing something that's good that puts you professionally in the right spot or following whatever your heart is and going that way and hoping it's going to work out. I mean, I think, I think that the, resonates with me. I think the life lesson too is taking the chance on yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, I think we've all, particularly you, have had experience working for companies that feel like they're limiting what you're allowed to do. And, you know, I think the food they truck talk about is good today. <laughs> so it's like, I think it's a perfect expression, right? It's like a food truck is literally the. It's the bet on yourself ultimate. Thing total, you can do as a it's chef. total freedom. Yeah. Which is why a lot of my peers did it. And they were like, wow, this is super hard. Right. <laughs> this fucking food truck life is so hard. Who won the movie? It's got to be Favreau. Favreau. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no he, question. Um, Roy Choi also wins. Um, I think a lot of people win in this movie. And Cubanos. It's a happy Franco movie. Franco Barbecue wins. Yeah. I mean, there's really no, no one, pleasant. even the ending as sort of a little corny. A, it, it ends everything. Is happy. Yeah. Which is what you want in a rewatchable. Well, now we get producer Craig's take. Uh, I love this movie. I've seen it a million times. I love, I really feel like food content done right is the most enjoyable thing you can watch on television. I think it's number one. Like, there's, it, like sitting back and just like watching a great food show, I think is like unparalleled. I also think this is one of the most accurate social media movies ever made. Wow. I feel, thank you. I think the relationship between like parents and kids during that time and what the kids knew about like the burgeoning social media landscape and the parents not really getting it. I thought like all that was just like very, very accurate. Him describing Twitter, not knowing it's public. I just think that would all happen. The scene when Favreau drops off his kid and he just like goes really fast because he's like, got to get back to work. I was like, that's so real, right? There's many things that he nailed in terms of the relationship of, of people. So yeah. You know what was a great part I thought to piggyback off that is the grilled cheese scene. He makes the grilled cheese and they clearly like make it very cinematic. It's like a food porn for one minute, right? And you're like very into it. It's super sexy. It looks fantastic. He slides it to his kid. The kid's on his phone. He like takes a bite and he goes, this is good. And Favreau's like, you're damn right it's fucking good. Right. Which I think is like such a great way to like see the relationship between. And I was going to ask you that question. Like, do you ever make something you think is like yeah. incredible and your kid's like, eh, it's not bad. You're it like, damn right it's not happens bad. happens every day. And I tell him, even though he doesn't understand why I tell him this, to Hugo's like, one day, when you're not living under this house, you're going to tell your friends, like, man, I really screwed up not enjoying all the amazing food. My yeah. dad it's all downhill me. from there for your son. <laughs> we yeah. brought Chan to Augusta, and he made pantry pizza one night, and then he made nachos the other night. Nacho Mountain. I just want you to know I appreciated every moment oh, of it, even though it, I felt sick I for a week after <laughs> from having extra dinner at noon, at midnight. Well, it was really for Joe House yeah, and Hubbard. He loved it. Well, Hubbard really is the secret eater. I know we shouldn't be talking about this right now, but that was a that was a real shock to me. Hubbard's the pizza eater. Wow. Shocking. He came over to watch basketball last week, and 
I was ordering pizza, so I just got an extra one because I knew he was coming, but he was going to a dinner and I got this third pizza from <laughs> Lucifer's, which is like this yeah, like really thing. And uh, he's like, no, nah, I can't have that. I'm going to have dinner. And I'm like, you sure? And I kind of opened the box and he kind of looked in and he had one. He ate the whole pizza <laughs> before the dinner. Like Robin. really one of the premier pizza. He's, he's House can't here. compete on the pizza. Everything else he competes on. Two, they, they, Two they're the a tag team. Um, do you feel like the Netflix show, The Chef Show, uh-huh. which I, I think everyone enjoys, yeah. is like a nice bookend companion because it's the same vibe, same feeling. Everything's upbeat. Everyone sort of, they're interesting stories, but it's not like overly foodie. Everything is accessible. It's funny. Yeah. It has the same tone to me. If you're not in the mood for like a chef's table, it's it's the perfect show. Also, this movie, this is like a weird meta movie because it's yeah. like the show after it is like it's like half the movie and like you knew Roy Choi was involved and you knew Favreau like wanted to kind of get into food. It, it's like there's like a, almost like a little mini chef universe that is not, most movies don't really do that where you can like create like a reality show off of a movie. No, and it wasn't just like a one and done. I knew, I know, like a lot of people use like an expert in their field, and then like never talk to him again. Like Favreau and Choi have like a real, yeah, serious. Didn't friendship. they think about opening like an El Jefe? Yeah, I think that still might happen. Who yeah. knows, right? Like, does so, that ever bother you when a non-chef is like, "I'm going to try to take on being like food guy now. I'm going to be an inf- food inf- influencer." You talk about Kimmel? <laughs> no, Kimmel's really good. <laughs> no, Kimmel's too. a good cook. Kimmel's another one who taught himself how to be. Kim as good of a cook as anyone else. I mean, has TikTok more, has changed yeah. my life with cooking. I love to yeah. cook and TikTok. It's like my whole feed is. Oh is shit! Cooking. I should get on that TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, but like, but Kimmel's a good a good example of this. Like, he's a very meticulous person. If he does something, he's going to actually do it to the nth degree. I mean, he has a tandoor oven. Right. I don't know anybody that has a tandoor oven <laughs> in their backyard. <laughs> it's awesome. I love going to his house. There's so much culinary shit to cook with. And Favreau actually has a kitchen. Yeah. He's got a whole, like, professional kitchen in his backyard where he does a bunch of his filming. So, again, like, the reason why people don't make enough culinary content on TV and film, because I've been, I've done that. I joke, I'm the reason why Treme got canceled because of my performance in season two. It's hard because you have to match the shots and actors can't really learn how to cook. And professional cooks cannot act. It's a little like sports, yeah. right? Where you have the wrong person in a sports movie, it just sinks it. And Favreau, I swear to God, I was always impressed. He was the only person I've ever met that like, I'm going to learn how to do this. You hear this, yeah. oh, like Bradley Cooper spend like three months doing, no, he didn't. Like, I don't believe any of that shit. Yeah. But Favreau really loves cooking and he taught himself how to cook. Like his knife skills are actually like legit. That first scene was a real flex. You could tell they were like, all right, yeah. we're going to like nip it right in the bud at the beginning and show that like he knows what he's doing. And it was important that like the thing, the what I wanted to say is like the, the like even again, even my food in 2013, 14 would look aged today, even though it's still delicious. I'm just, again, nitpicking. But the movements in the kitchen for Favreau were real. Yeah. Like, all, all the things. Like, the clanking on the spoon. The it's like how handle. I feel about Woody Harrelson in Wet Man Can't Jump, where I'm like, oh, he's a real basketball player. I can just tell every movement that he makes. So they nailed that. So it's good. And I, it's not a, a food movie that is, like, depressing. Like, Burnt's depressing yeah. in a lot of ways. This you is know, uplifting. We never mentioned Dinner for Five, which was a pretty oh, yeah. influential... Do you know about that show? No. Some of them are on YouTube. How do you not know about this? This Favreau like... had the show in the 90s after Swingers. It's amazing. And he would just have four other actors on, and they would just tell stories and eat. And the, some of the people would get drunk, and some of the episodes, like, people get mad at each other. 
And it's just thing nobody's no PR person would ever let their person on a show like that now. You said people telling stories about when they, you know, they're on the set with an actress and they had a love scene and they took it right to the trailer and like crazy shit wow. that would just never happen. Now. Does it's it, good. Does it still exist? Where can I watch it? I think it's on YouTube. Huh. Yeah, it's good. But Favreau, but the reason it kind of didn't work was you're watching these people eat. It was kind of disgusting. Yeah. It's actually not that fun to watch people just. But the stories were hilarious. The stories were great. Was it at a restaurant or at somebody's house? It was always, it was at, always different at restaurants. restaurants. Different it, was, restaurants. it was actually kind of an imitated show after that nobody kind of landed the plane on. But I think like he might have been the only person that could do it. Because he had all that. So they'd have Vince Vaughn on. They would have Olafan, I remember. He was on. He was great. It was all people from that generation. It's good. You would like it. This is right around when he did uh, the, one of the best sports movies of all time, which is um, The Replacements. Right. We bulked up. Have, have you done one. a rewatchables on The Replacements? It's on the list. Oh, man. So good. It's one of the great Washington football moments of the <laughs> like last the best 25 Washington years. Maybe the other one. Um, all right. This podcast was produced by Craig Horlbeck. Thanks to our friend Dave Chang for finally stopping by. If you want to hear more from Dave talking about food trends and talking to food people and talking about culture and life, the Dave Chang Show. I remember the day when I taught you how to do an intro. This is true. Which took about four days. I was so nervous. Yeah. Um, now you do these seamless intros. It's like you're a real podcast person. I was person so now. nervous. Bill was looking at me like, what are you, why is this so hard for you? You were like reading off this sheet and it was, you were like Luca Brazzi in The Godfather. <laughs> On this day of your child, you're married. <laughs> but true. you figured it out. It's true. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro.